Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but you all know the drill. we got to let the stream breathe just for a second. Make sure we are getting those beautiful green check marks across all five of our streaming platforms and we're good welcome in everybody to the huddle up podcast presented as always by mile high huddle and powered by overtime media i'm your host chad jensen and with me as always my partner in crime and fellow football priest you know him you love him he is zach kelberman zach it seems like someone in the broncos front office is keeping tabs on your twitter because the guy that and you know maybe you weren't alone in this but the guy that you were pounding the table for circa, let's say, early August, Nigel Bradham, mm-hmm. is in Denver. All signs uh, point to the Broncos signing the linebacker, the former Saint, Eagle, and Bill. So what was your gut reaction to the news? Well, I understand the Broncos made him an offer prior to you know signing Mark Barron and acquiring Austin Calitro. I, I understand that he wants more money, but if it was negligible, which we don't know, the Broncos should have not wasted any time, just brought him in the building and him alone. Because the two guys, Calitro and Barron, they have yet to make an impact. Whereas Nigel Bradham, wherever he's went in the NFL, Chad, he's a veteran's veteran. Wherever he's went, he's left consistently solid marks. Never been a Hall of Famer, you know, not going to be, not never been an All-Pro but he's a solid lunch pail, traditional inside linebacker, a guy who can play three downs, a guy who can step right in and replace Todd Davis or help replace Todd Davis. I like this move a lot. I believe he signed to the practice squad at first. If I saw a report that was correct and the Broncos will eventually in all likelihood promote him to the 53. I don't, Jewel had a great game. Okay. But I think that was more of the outlier than it was the rule for him. So I, I like the Broncos helping out the position Bradham and A.J. Johnson next to each other with Jewel as the backup, and Barron will eventually come back. Suddenly, the inside linebacker core doesn't seem that bad. Honestly, I think it's asinine to sign Nigel Bradham to the practice squad. I know that they can protect four players each and every week, but maybe I guess it might make some sense if it's very short term. You know, if it's a week, buying him a week to kind of get up to speed get the scheme kind of under his belt a little bit. But Nigel Bradham's a guy that you just don't want to risk. I don't know. He's just not a guy you want to risk the ups and downs of coming from the practice squad to the uh, active roster. 
And even if you want to use the, the uh, what do they call it, the elevations, the game day elevations, you only get two of those for free. And then on the third one, of course, if you try and take someone from the game day roster back to the practice squad, they have to pass through waivers first. So if I'm the Broncos, just knowing the quality of player that Bradham is, man, I'm just signing him to the, to the active roster. But Zach, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the dollars and cents. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know the contract yet. We don't even know if the deal is really officially official yet, but I'm sure it's Probably more than the veteran's minimum. If he held out for a lucrative offer, he wanted probably a playoff team floating him an offer. That didn't happen. Denver is not that, but they probably stepped it up a couple million bucks, but whatever. It shouldn't prevent Denver from helping out the inside linebacker position. And if he can help stop the run, that's great. If he can help cover a running back or tight end, that's great. This is a real inside linebacker. They're not wasting around with the Stuart Cravens or Mark Barons of the world. This is a move they should have made, you know, six weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that – let me pull up some of these stats from, from the article real quick. And by the way, we are excited for tonight because we're bringing back on Mike Evans, one of the superstars in our community. And, of course, you guys have met him once before, but we couldn't wait to get him back on the show and the stars aligned. So we're excited to have Mike on. We'll bring him on here in just a couple of more minutes here. But, Zach, a couple of things here on Brad. Let me look here. Let me pull this back up. So 96 NFL games that he has started – uh, 619 tackles, eight and a half sacks, a few interceptions, a few forced fumbles last year. Now, again, it's pro football focus. It's kind of lost some of its luster. Their grades have anyway, but a lot of times it can br- provide you some insight. Bradham earned a 74.9 coverage grade from pro football focus last year with the Eagles, which is very good. Um, although he didn't earn anywhere near as high marks as a run defender. He had, let me see here. But yeah, I mean, just getting back to the coverage aspect, Zach, Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell, they've, you know, for whatever they might lack in coverage, whatever you might say about them in terms of being blitzers, pass rushers, although Jewell was very good in that that department on Thursday night, you know, they're good run defenders. Bradham, that's not necessarily his strength. What he brings to the table is coverage, though it's not exactly, you know, a weakness for Bradham. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy, you compare those numbers to Mark Barron's numbers in coverage, chat from Pro Football Focus. Wasn't in the 40s. We, we went over this when, when the Broncos signed him. It was disappointing. Yep. Bradham legitimately can cover running backs and tight ends. He's not Patrick Willis in his prime, but you don't need that guy. What the Broncos finally, finally have is a linebacker, an inside linebacker, who's not a safety, who's not a convert, who's a natural three-down guy who can help in pass coverage. And you supplement him with two dynamite guys in run support like Josie Jewell and A.J. Johnson, you suddenly have an inside linebacker core that can make up for some of the deficiencies. Maybe allow Chubb to rush more. Maybe allow Malik Reed to just rush more, attach you to rush more. It's going to help out the secondary. Uh, It's not a a season-changing move. It's not a game-breaking move. But bringing in Bradham at this stage, like bringing in Dotson at the stage they brought him in, to get a veteran potential starter for next to nothing off the scrap heap, I applaud Elway for that. It's a weird world that we are living in when the Denver Broncos not only rekindle a past relationship with a former player, but a former first-round pick and two former draft picks and also two former Super Bowl 50 rostered heroes, if you want to call them that. So Roster Williams, anyway, started on that Super Bowl 50 defense and anchored the defensive line at nose tackle. The Broncos are bringing him back on the practice squad along with Darius Kilgo, which is really interesting. I don't – in fact, I like both moves. 
I mean, Sylvester Williams, obviously, he's starting to get a little long in the tooth. He was an old rookie when he was drafted uh, back in 2013 in the first round. But for depth guys that kind of hold the door for two to three weeks until Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker get back, Zach, I think those are two solid moves that, you know, if you could make them, you make them. And now they're on the practice squad. And I would be surprised if at least Williams and probably Bradham aren't game day elevations next week against the Patriots. I got to be surprised. I thought Williams was out of the NFL. I had no idea he was still even playing. So to bring him back, you know, uh, it says a lot about the Broncos draft history. It hasn't been great, but I always clean that up. To get him back on the practice squad, again, cheap help, a former starter. He can help plug the run. Doesn't offer much more than that, but is much sneaker much sneaker, much cheaper than Snacks Harrison, much cheaper than Marcel Darius, and he has history with the Broncos. So uh, I can't hit on that. That's an amazing wow. donation right there. Shout out to Black Knight 232 who just blew our hair back with this wow. super chat off the top rope. Extremely generous. Zach, there's yeah, only less than 10 people in the in, in that have been that generous. I hate to even say the 200 club because it sounds like I'm, you know, <laughs> trivializing it. I'm, but it's a very rare and it's very, it just means a lot to us, my friend. And he says here, my team made the semifinals of the playoffs. Let's go, boys. Oh, and hopefully the Broncos win against the Pats. Peace out. I'm going to celebrate with the guys. Have fun tonight. He is a gamer. So this, this congrats to you, my friend. He uh, does his Twitch streams, and I'm sure this is what he's talking about. Yeah, gaming tournament. Nice. My team is in it. Right on, dude. I've, I've developed a much um, stronger appreciation for that kind of thing. My son is really into it, and he has a gaming squad as well. I can't remember what it's called now off the top of my head under pressure. But anyway, Black Knight. Long-time listener, big-time member of our community. Thank you so much, my friend. Zach, it just blows us away. We got to get Mike on here, but, man, just extremely generous off the top rope. It's amazing. Black Knight, salute to you. Have a great night. Congrats on the win, and thank you so, so much for your generosity. It, it's not unnoticed. We love you, buddy. Really means a lot. All right, real quick, before we bring Mike on, just a couple of really quick matters of business, guys. Tonight's live stream pod is brought to you by sportsbetting.com. Broncos country, as you know by now, gambling is legal in the state of Colorado. Here's what makes sportsbetting.com a no-brainer for you. Sharp odds and low juice. You got hassle-free bonuses. That's key. Hassle-free. You're not having to pull anyone's teeth to try and get your bonuses. Plus, you get to roll it over at least once. And 24-7 live customer support. Always a real person in the United States. And then here's the kicker. At sportsbetting.com, you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to 500 bucks, and it's not just one bet, but all of your bets. So you can play for a week, and if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com is going to cover 100% of the difference, up to 500 bucks with a one-time rollover. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. We'll put the link in the, in the chat stream. Capitalize on that risk-free week of sports betting up to 500 bucks. And if you're not sure how it all works, guys, make sure you're reading Carl Dummler's weekly article, breaking down all of the juice and the odds and everything, at least as it pertains to the Denver Broncos. That's one way to kind of get wise to how it all works. But head over to sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle. And then since we have Mike waiting here, Zach, I'm just going to go through this really, really, really fast. Follow the podcast on Twitter at huddle up pod at mile high huddle. Also on Twitter, Check out the merch store, gang. If you're in a position to get your your uh, swag on, huddleuppod.com. Get a MHH trucker hat. Get a football preset. Little something for everybody. Face mask, mug, hoodie. It's starting to cool down. Get yourself one of those hoodies. And then if you're not in a position, guys, we appreciate each and every one of you can do all three of these things. If you think Zach and I 
are doing a good job for you on a daily basis, please subscribe, please like this video. But above all else, share it out there. Help us continue to grow, and we are growing exponentially and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. And then last thing, shout out to all of our Facebook supporters. Man, we had a massive uptick and surge in new supporters last week. I think everyone just kind of riding that high of the Broncos' first victory. So shout out to our Facebook supporters. We love each and every one of you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. I'm Su Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. Broncos country, listen up. Coors Seltzer isn't your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand that was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Coors Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. So whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Seltzer, you're volunteering. Listen, gang, our waterways are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. Through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Here's how it works. Each pack of Coors Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. And the results? It'll blow your mind. One billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S. And that's just year one. And gang, there are four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. So enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon, lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in. Coors Seltzer is 4.5% ABV, and it's only 90 calories. And Zach, let me tell you, I've got my eye on that black cherry. Yeah, there's nothing better, Chad. The, the weather's turning. It's getting cooler. It's football season. Nothing better than kicking back with a Coors. I like the mango personally, but they're all pretty good. Nothing better, Chad. Join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Seltzer. You can become a volunteer and restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Seltzer. You help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It's that simple. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. The time has come. Let's bring him on the show. Everyone knows Mike Evans. Here he is in the flesh. Mike, how you doing, my brother? Outstanding. Great to be here. Yeah, man, we have been uh, 
ever since our first our first uh, episode when we had you on in I don't know July maybe it was August no maybe June I don't know during the summer we had you on the show we just had so much fun talking with you we wanted to bring you on to get your take on some of these key issues and as you kind of heard us talking about at the top of the show obviously the Broncos bringing in Nigel Bradham Sylvester Williams and Darius Kilgo but they're signing them to the practice squad. What, what do you think is the reason why, at least Bradham anyway, is getting signed to the practice squad, not the 53-man roster? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised by that because we need him now. You know, I think we're going to continue to get attacked. Our linebacker is going to get attacked by tight ends, by fast uh, running backs. That That's not going to go away. So I'm a little surprised about it. I don't know how it has to deal with the cap or money. I'm not sure. Um, there's something going on that, that we're not seeing because it's not obvious to me. Um, because uh, as I watched um, the Jets and also I watched the Patriots, they attacked our linebackers with tight ends and, and uh, running backs. That's not going to go away. So we got to put a stop to it. At least, at least this time, Zach and Mike, the Broncos were a lot better prepared yeah. to handle the tight ends and the running backs when the Jets tried to use them. And, you know, there's a big difference. We talked about this in the gut reaction. There's a big difference between what the Jets bring to the table, tight ends and running backs, and what right. the Bucks, for example, brought to the table. That's a big difference. But, uh, Zach, I know you have a question. Let me just fire this one last one to Mike. Sure. Your, what was your take on Brett Rippon? What were your takeaways yeah. from his debut, his first NFL start, bringing home the dub? Yeah, so I, I know Vic said he had his ups and downs. I would say it was admirable, you know, on the, on the positive, short week, uh, not a lot of reps in camp, minimal reps in camp, um, not knowing the receivers, um, you know, playing on a Thursday night with the entire planet watching under that pressure. I, you know, I, I'd say it's admirable. Um, conversely, in this league, you can't throw three picks and expect to win. So if we play anyone except the Jets and throw three picks against – the Chargers or the Kansas City um, or even the Patriots will struggle. So I'm reasonably optimistic, but he reminds me of Trevor Simeon in that he's smart. Uh, he can read defenses. He gets the ball of his hands. But, you know, athletically, he's a, a C-plus B athlete. And I, I think against great teams, he'll struggle. Mike, I kind of wanted to pick your brain, you know, not really talking about the whole season because so much can still change and it will change, but what's your thoughts on the next game against the Patriots? Let's assume Cam Newton does play because I think Belichick will find a way to sneak him through the the CV protocol. What is your outlook for this game? What do you see happening? Yeah, I'd rather force him to throw. You know, I've never believed in Cam Newton's arm, never. You know, I, I know he's an NFL quarterback and things of that nature, but I would try to make things complex for him and get him frustrated first quarter because you know I, I watched him play here a couple years ago I think it was 2015 2016 and if you hit him enough and you frustrate him enough his will breaks yep. so if, if I'm Vic I'm going to put him under pressure every single play the first couple uh series and say we're here we're not going anywhere and force him to start getting mad at his offensive line and get mad at his wide receivers and I think we can break his will as long as we keep under keep him under pressure Love that, that. Bring, that brings up a good point is you know, obviously the Broncos' pass rush was finally able to get home consistently against the Jets. And, of course, Mekhi Becton, their their first-round left tackle, was banged up and missed most of that, ended up leaving the game. But Bradley Chubb went off for two-and-a-half sacks. You had Josie Jewell notch 10 tackles and two sacks, which is only the second time that's been done since 1994. And overall, Vic Fangio was able to dial up some pressures that were not completely – obvious and you know kind of kind of um confounded Sam Darnold a little bit but 
you don't know how much to read into that because it was the hapless Jets, you know, and it was Sam Darnold who's just been pressing. So this brings up uh, Macho Jonesy, Super Chat. By the way, thank you for that Super Chat, Macho. Really means a lot to us, my friend. Make sure you reach out and connect with us on Twitter. Who says, great job, guys. Longtime listener. Welcome. We need another edge rusher who is out there. And, guys, and, again, thank you, Macho. The reason I wanted to bring this up is, you know, it's nice to be able to throw a little – uh, a few numbers at guys in terms of, you know, send five, six rushers at times. You can't live by it because the good, the teams with good quarterbacks will make you pay for that. And Sam Darnold, even though I think he's a very talented young quarterback that still has a lot of potential, he just doesn't quite have the presence of mind and the wherewithal to constantly exploit those situations. And more often than not, as we saw on Thursday night, it ended up doing exactly what Vic Fangio wanted it to do and cause him to break down and, you know, get the sack. But in terms of who's out there, Zach, as far as I know, now you're, you're a lot better than staying on top of the, the NFL Newswire than I am. As far as I know, Terrell Suggs is still out there. As far as I know, Clay Matthews is still out there. Yep. Those are the two that I still hold out hope for. And then, Zach, I want to serve this to you, and then we'll get Mike's take on this. Who would you like to see the Denver Broncos bring in from an edge perspective? Even though I don't think it's going to happen, but there's still a couple guys out there. Here's my unpopular opinion. I don't think the Broncos need an edge rusher. I think with Bradley Chubb coming back to form, he's going to be good enough to hold the fort on the edge. You have Itachi who can get pressure. He can. You have Malik Reed who can get pressure. And you also have Draymond Jones coming back. You have Shelby Harris balling out. Deshaun Williams has looked good. I don't really think necessarily you have to sign an edge rusher like a Cameron Wake or a, a Suggs or a Clay Matthews, who I don't want at all, who's only going to take reps away from younger players. And I, I'm always so against that. I don't think anyone's going to come in right away and have an instant impact. I'd rather the Broncos go ahead with what they have. And if they can find a Malik Reed to be the long-term OLB three, I'd rather have that happen than waste time and money on a Clay Matthews. So that's my opinion on that. Mike, what do you think? Does, is this a team that yeah. needs to bring in a veteran or, or mm. do you concur with Zach? I, you know, I'm kind of where Zach is, but here's my concern. I, when I watch individual play, Shelby can, can beat his man one-on-one. Chubb is now starting to beat his man one-on-one. But I'm not seeing that. Malik Reed, I've never seen him beat a tackle. Mm-hmm. So I think Vic might evolve to the Buccaneers' kind of aggressive style because I'm not sure that we can put pressure one-on-one with enough people consistently. Um, yeah. My only concern with that is my, our safety play is kind of backed down from last year, and I'm growing concerned that if we go aggressive, can – they step up in the way to cover it, and I'm concerned about that. That brings up an excellent point. And by the way, quick shout out to Zeus McPeak jumping in with a very generous super chat. Thank Love you, Steve. buddy. Always great to have you in the stream, and you know what you mean to us up there on the MHH Mount Rushmore. Zeus McPeak. Love you, bro. But that brings up a interesting point that you that you broached there, Mike, and that is the apparent regression of Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. What do you think is going on there? Do you think this first quarter of the season that it was kind of just, you know, an outlier type situation where all the other losses at different, you know, losing your number one edge rusher, losing your number one corner, uh, losing your number one defensive lineman, it all adds up to just a weird situation where the safeties are pressing or whatever, however you want to rationalize it. Or do you think Kareem Jackson's 32, he's just getting old, and Justin Simmons wasn't necessarily who he appeared to be last year? Yeah, I'm really concerned. So for the first time, Kareem is starting to look old. Last year, he played with his hair on fire. 
I remember the, the Texans game. He was unstoppable. Yeah. One of the best safeties I've ever seen play. So Revenge I got a huge effect. Yeah, huge affection for him. He's always in the box playing hard. But when I watched Sam Darnold run through him <laughs> and, and Justin, I'm asking Ole. questions. Yeah. What's going on? So I have concerns. Yeah. What do you think, Zach, on that very topic? Because I can't remember who brought it up, but the age thing with Kareem Jackson – Eventually, Father Time, he's undefeated, and it seems like potentially that might be what's really eating at Kareem. It's valid, but there's a lot of, you know, defensive back, cornerback, or safety, you can play it into your 30s. It's not like a receiver or running back where you kind of break down after 30. I'm going to say it's a little too premature to make an opinion one way or the other. Let me go through at least one more quarter of the season, four more games, then I'll tell you about Simmons and Kareem Jackson. He's not looking like the best safety in the NFL. Justin Simmons threw four games. He's looking closer to the worst safety in the NFL. Kareem Jackson, there's a reason you could argue the Texans let him go. I mean, again, good players don't become available. He had a transition to safety after he kind of wore off at cornerback. This was the guy the Broncos were getting, so maybe they were getting more short-term Kareem Jackson than long-term. That's my only thing with him. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Yeah, I mean, you know what Justin Simmons reminds me of up to this point is the 2018 version of Simmons under mm-hmm. Vance Joseph in which he played every position in the defensive backfield where he was just spread so thin where he couldn't specialize, he couldn't really build a foundation and focus on one thing. And he just just he just always almost. He was Justin almost Simmons, just always a, a hair late, a day late, a dollar short. That's He reminds me of that player, which is a little bit alarming. Let's grab this question, guys, real quick here from, from Dean Thompson on Facebook. I'm going to read the question, but I don't want to cut off Mike's uh, beautiful visage. Okay. So well, thank you. <laughs> Dean says on Facebook, hey, uh, what's up, football priest? We got help, and who better than Sly? I'm freaking excited. They're saying we might get locked back for our next game. But don't get me wrong, I like rip, I like ripping, and it's time to shut them doubters down. Go Broncos. Dean on Facebook, appreciate you being with us tonight. Let's that talk has about to be sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> ain't, ain't nobody getting excited over Sylvester Williams. It, it's not happening. Well, what was your take on the Broncos 
decision, Mike, to kind of rekindle things with mm-hmm. a couple of Super Bowl 50 heroes, including their former first-round pick, Sly Williams. Yeah, I think there's a level of comfort. Bill Kolar. So I'm mm-hmm. trusting Bill Kolar to weigh in to say, I trust these guys. And for these guys to say, um, for, for Walker, they, they're, playing for, they're playing to get somebody's spot. So one of those guys are like, I got two games to prove myself. So they're going to play – they should be playing with hair on fire, saying I got two shots to get a job full-time for the rest of the season. And, that's, and I hope that spurs some real strong interior pressure. That's true, Zach. I mean, there's no rule that says once a player goes on injured reserve, you have to bring him right. back after three weeks. I mean, ostensibly the Broncos could, say, bring Draymond back and, you know, part ways with Kilgo and – keep Walker on injured reserve. And if Sly were to be able to kind of flash some of that potential, because, you know, that first, I would say his first three years in the league, I mean, he wasn't exactly playing at a pro bowl level, but in 2015, 2014 and 2015, and you know, he started two Super Bowls for this team and that's not nothing, but nevertheless, he played really well under the uh, tutelage of Bill Collar, as Mike brought up there. Maybe there's something there. I mean, he didn't, Exactly blow the doors down last year playing for the Chargers, but you never know. We will know for sure now what the Broncos think of Demarcus Walker. Because if he can't come off IR and go back on the active roster and beat out players like Darius Kilgo and Sly Williams, you will know for sure if he's really just in a, a replacement level player. But to Mike's point, he it, Bill Collar is the common denominator. It reminds me of last year bringing back Billy Wynn of all people. Mm. It was such a random move, but there's familiarity. Someone in the Broncos coaching staff, which is probably Collar, made the recommendation and the Broncos went ahead. For reinforcement right now, it's Kilgo and Williams are fine. But when Walker is healthy, I like to see him, and this may be just yeah. me, I want to see him just get one more shot to prove himself. One more shot. Mike, you do have two Super Bowl 50 coaches still on defense in Reggie Herring, the linebackers, and then yeah. Kolar. So maybe there's something to that. I, I think so. And, you know, I, what I always like Walker in is like a NASCAR package because he's very fast on the interior, and he could beat a defensive tackle. I don't like him against – I saw him against the Raiders – and he got pushed around. So I didn't I don't like him on mm-hmm. run defense, but I like him on pass pass plays because he gets that quick interior pressure, can get in and get pressure from the out, you know, for the outside linebackers to to make a play. Let's grab this one more super chat from Jack, and then I got one more question for you, Mike, and then we'll cut you loose for tonight. Sure. Again, so good talking with you, man. Thanks for making some time for us. Sure. Um this is from Jack Haas, a super chat superstar jumping in, and that's a name we don't recognize. So welcome, Jack, welcome. and thank you. Thank you. Uh, he says, watching Justin Herbert play continues to confirm our, quote, lock needs time, it's a new offense, it was a short offseason, that those are excuses and are wishful thinking. Guys, on this topic, there's two, there's two topics on, on Drew Locke that uh, Jack broaches here that, that remind me I want to get your take on. The first and foremost is let's talk about what he brought up. So many people at this stage now I'm seeing just in the last week or so are suddenly pining – for Justin Herbert, as if he was ever a realistic option for the Denver Broncos in the mm. first place, maybe if he would have come out in 2019, but he didn't. But nevertheless, he's 0-2. And yeah, he's put up some stats, but he hasn't brought home the bacon yet for the Chargers. So, Mike, what's your take uh, in regards to Jack here saying that uh, so far Justin Herbert is proving mm. that all the hope on Drew Locke that everyone had leading into this season was wishful thinking? Yeah, I, I'm not there. So I respect the opinion. I'm a Drew Locke guy. I just think he's got, you know, I just think about the five games I saw him play and the four we won. You know, he saw the field. He got the ball out of his hands. He's got a strong arm. He's smart. He's athletic. 
He just has to learn to get rid of the ball when he's got pressure. If it's not the play's not there, get rid of the ball. Uh, you, you're not going to win every play in the NFL. And it, until he learns that, I worry about his frame being able to take the pounding. That's why I want him to get rid of the ball. But I think he, the type of athlete is in his head, I think he's a, he's the right guy for us. He need, but we'll know at the end of the season. What do you think, Zach? Well, first of all, I don't think you need excuses to compare a player like Justin Herbert to a player like Drew Locke. If you put Justin Herbert on the Broncos right now, nothing changed because the difference in the Chargers and the Broncos is coaching. And I wanted to make this point after the Chargers and Herbert nearly upset the Chiefs when Herbert coming in on short notice, no prep with Tyron Taylor's injection, he almost beat the Chiefs. And that's due to coaching. I don't think that would have happened with the Broncos. So it's not an exclusive argument here. Herbert can look good in San Diego. Shane Steichen, I think I I don't know how to pronounce his uh, his last name, the coordinator for the Chargers, really good coach, really good coach. I would take him over Pat Shermer right this second. That Mm. is always going to be the difference. But Drew Locke, I am a thousand million percent with Mike. He is the guy for the Broncos. And only seeing a handful of games for him this season before he got hurt, not on his own volition, no, through no fault of his own, he's not playing right now. It's too premature to start lumping players together or wishing the Broncos had Justin Herbert when this offseason, no one wanted him. We were all on the Drew Lock bandwagon for a reason. He is the right guy. Give him time. One way or the other, though, like Mike said, we will know the answer by the end of this year. I can't quite get on that same bandwagon with you on Shermer. I just think there hasn't been enough time yet with him and Locke together playing actual games to make a determination on whether you throw that baby out with the bathwater. But, Mike, one more question for you, and then we'll cut you loose. On the Drew uh, Drew Locke topic, we learned – so Thursday night, Broncos beat the Jets. Brett Rippon gets the W. We learned from Vic Fangio the very next day when the Broncos were back at uh, Del Valley – that he gives Drew Locke a 50-50 chance to play versus the Pats, which is, of course, from the time the Jets game ended until the time they're on the field against the Patriots. You know, that's a that's a 10-day gap. So yeah. it's a lot of time. If he starts throwing on Tuesday and doesn't feel any pain, doesn't feel any soreness when he wakes up Wednesday, do you roll him out there on Sunday against the Patriots? Or would you say, better safe than sorry, Brett Rippon bought you a little grace, mm-hmm. additional grace period with Locke? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would be guided by the doctors, and I, and I have to watch him throw on Friday to say, yes. Drew, and I will, because at the end of the day, are we willing to toss the season away? We truly toss the season away if he gets re-injured. I, and, right. and, my, and I'm not prepared to throw the season away because I think we can still fight through it, and the risk is too high for me. So I, I would be cautious. I have to feel really comfortable that he could take a hit. hit. And if he could, I'd play him. Yeah. Zach, what do you think, though? I don't think you throw Drew Locke back against the Patriots on the road. Coming off a shoulder, throwing shoulder injury, I just don't think you do it. Rippon got the win. The Patriots might be without Cam Newton. You can beat the Patriots, a Camless Patriots, yeah. with Brett Rippon, a quarterback, if you play to the level like you played against the Jets. Maybe a little bit better, but you can win with them. I don't think Locke is coming back for this game. I, it would have to take extraordinary circumstances, and everything we've seen from Vic Fangio based on Philip Lindsay. I think he plays your, you know, the safer than sorry approach most of the time. I do too. In this case, I think it's one more week for Locke. You debut him, or not debut him, you bring him back against Miami in uh, week six. And KR, real quick, jumping in, the queen of MHA, jumping in to say, with a very generous uh, super chat. Thank you, Chris. Hope you all are doing good. Great to see Mike on and hear all of his <laughs> hot takes. Hashtag just <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for everything, guys. Uh, MHA, love you. Appreciate you, Christy. And Mike, 
what better way to uh, send you yeah. off? Also, Poppy jumping in with a generous super. Thank you, Poppy. Poppy, thank you. Doing well, and she says, "Great to see you, Mike. Go Broncos." John, do we have any other direct messages from the superstars for Mike? If uh, if not, we'll uh, we'll cut him loose. But man, Mike, always so refreshing to hear your takes. And sometimes I'll be honest with you, I think it kind of helps uh, bring Zach and I. I wouldn't say down to earth, but it kind of helps focus us in because your analysis is just no. It's just it's just bottom line. It's just black and white. It just is what it is, and it's hard to refute. And it makes me go, all right, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, Mike, thanks for coming in. And, Thank and you. I know it's short notice, too, by the way, Mike. So oh. thanks for making some time for us, brother. Uh, anytime. Wait, wait, wait. Mike, we need yes. your Laura Landau story real quick. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah real yeah, quick. Thanks. Real quick. You got to yeah, tell Broncos quick. Country that you are uh, you have firsthand experience with Laura Landau. Yeah. In the early 2000s, I was a corporate weenie working at a Colorado Athletic Club. I needed a trainer, and I, ha- I happened to get matched with Lauren. So Lauren was a trainer for 18 months or so. So wow. what I can say about Lauren, and this is early in his career before Velocity and everything like that, he's honest, he's hardworking, uh, he cares about people, and he's smart. Now, I'm sure he's staying up at night, you know, thinking about all these things going on, so I can't attest to what's occurring now. All I can attest to is the quality of person he was when I worked with him. He was an honorable guy. And what's interesting about that, Mike, is as, as we've talked about on the show so many times, you know, Zach and I have been critical or maybe in the most generous terms, we've been skeptical of Lauren Lando just in light of all the injuries the last couple of years, but he has such a bulletproof um, reputation among Broncos players who work with him personally before he became the strength coach uh, in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a person of his word. So, you know, I get the criticism he's in the big leagues and that's going to come with the territory. He get, you know, I'm sure he gets it and he's got to get better, but I, all I can attest to, he was, a, he was a great guy when I worked with him. All right. Interesting. Zach, I almost forgot that. Thanks for bringing it up, my brother. Of course. All right. Well, guys, reach out and connect with Mike on Twitter. As you can see here on the screen, it's Great at follow. Follow DM Evan 32 at DM Evans 32. So, Mike, have a great night, and Appreciate we'll see if the Broncos can, uh, you know, get another win on the road in the East Coast next week. Outstanding. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thanks, right, Mike. Thanks, Mike. We'll see you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. 
paid for by America First Legal. There he goes, Mike Evans. What a cool guy. Superstar. We love him. We respect him. And uh, really, like he, you know, sometimes we get these, uh, I wouldn't say hot takes, but, you know, sometimes we get a little, I don't know, up in arms with with our analysis and our opinions on the Broncos. <laughs> one thing about one thing about I Mike. Shit, well, I'm just speaking. You know, <laughs> we, we do what we do for a reason. Some, you know, we got our hot takes and we bring the analysis hot and heavy sometimes. And Mike, though, he's just even killed. He just tells yes. it like it is. And I just love hearing him his his Broncos takes, which is why I wanted to get him back on the show. Yeah, Mike's football knowledge is you know on a thousand. And what I like about Mike, he's not a an idealist. He's a realist for the most part, and I resonate with that. He keeps it real. I think him and I think alike, so I'm a little biased there. But just a what a, a great football IQ. What a great Broncos fan. Love having Mike on the show. Levi jumping in. Geez, the generosity wow. from the superstars tonight has just been phenomenal. Levi, very yeah. uh, very moving for us. Thank you, Thank Levi, you. for that generosity, my friend. He says I got the shirt today. Thanks, fellas. I hope everyone's having a fantastic day. Levi, take that selfie and either DM it to myself or Zach or send it to us in an email, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. We'd love to uh, shout it out there and uh, put it on MHH Instagram and MHH social. So glad to hear you got that T-shirt and uh, send us a selfie when you get some time, my dog. Everybody, right, Zach. Levi, let him hate. <laughs> let him hate, buddy. All right. Um, this is I wanted to uh, bring this back up again, the topic from Jack about I'm seeing it on social media like crazy from a lot of Broncos fans who are suddenly like having this uh, grass is greener mentality, this this football envy for Justin Herbert, which I don't understand. And Jack, again, of course, had that uh, super chat. I just don't understand that because Herbert has been solid, but he hasn't blown me away. He hasn't had a Drew Locke moment yet, in my opinion. Right. Like they got up on the on the Chiefs. Maybe you could say that was his Drew Locke moment, but they lost. Like he hasn't had that defining, you know, even Drew Locke's debut against the Chargers last year in week 13, got the win. The next week goes on the road, beats the eventual yeah. AFC South champion Texans, blows them out. Justin Herbert hasn't had that moment yet, and yet fans are pining for him. He's 0-2 as a starting quarterback in the league, and he's a first-round pick. You hit on one of the reasons why there's so much envy. He was a first-round pick, and you know you see a, a shiny first-round pick, and you have a, a lowly second-round pick. You're always going to want to reach for what's above you. He's also playing in the same division right now, Chad. So any it looks like the Patrick Mahomes fever. We all want Mahomes, and he plays the Broncos twice a year. So any new quarterback that's coming in the division and looks slightly good, Broncos fans are going to want. It's just being a football fan. And also, Locke's injured. Like I mentioned, if Locke wasn't hurt, we were all on the Drew Locke bandwagon. We all said, we don't need Justin Herbert. He's nothing compared to Locke. If Locke wasn't injured, we wouldn't be getting these comments right now. So it's all recency. That's the entire what it boils down to. It's all recency bias, I would call it. The second Drew Locke comes back, <clears throat> I think Broncos fans, the, the ones who are having their doubts and have already seemingly moved on emotionally, I think it's going to – they're going to be singing a different tune because, as I wrote about today – you know, you had that tweet, Zach, 538.com gives the Broncos a 14% chance at making the playoffs, of course, sitting here at one and three, and predicts that they finish six and 10. And as I was reporting that, passing it on to the readers of milehighhuddle.com, I found myself, of course, being the optimist that I am, saying, you hey, look, we all know it's unlikely. When you start 0 3, the odds are stacked against you. But what are some of the reasons, if the Broncos could defy those odds, what are some of the reasons why they could? 
And one of them for me is the return of Drew Locke. Now, if it ends up being week six, you get Drew Locke back at home, right? I'm pretty sure. At, or is that on the road? Now, now I'm not sure. But either way, you get him back against Miami. And I think oh. just, you know, there's no guarantee history repeats in the same exact way. But Zach, last year when Drew Locke came off injured reserve, he gave this team a massive lift, that swagger, uh, that spark, and they sustained it. It wasn't short-lived, you know, like Brandon Allen, for example. He gave the team a lift, lasted all of six quarters until they got 20 points up on the Vikings, and then all of a sudden it just evaporated in the wind and completely was blown and dispersed into the atmosphere in those prevailing winds at Buffalo. But nevertheless, uh, Drew Locke, I think when he comes back, even if it doesn't result in big resounding wins, I think you're going to see the big, huge difference between a quarterback of his caliber, his his gifts, both his t- tangible gifts and intangible gifts, and, for example, what you saw from Brett Rippon or what you'll see from Brett Rippon. Because, Zach, Thursday night Rippon was solid. You showed that – he showed that big football brain and how much you can – how far that will get you. But as Mike said, those three interceptions – you can't – there's maybe two or three teams in the league you can throw three picks against and live to win that game. Sure. The New England Patriots are not one of those teams. Bill Belichick will make you pay. Even if it's not Cam Newton under center, he'll get points. He'll make you pay. And by the way, Mr. Boggins jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Can't wait for Locke versus Herbert. And that time's going to come later this season because both of the Broncos games against the Chargers this year are going to be from the point Locke is, is going to return on. And you can argue that it definitely one of those picks that Rippin threw wouldn't have happened with Locke because that was an arm strength issue. And the, the entire point here is that Locke, why he gives the Broncos such a lift is because he can do things that no other quarterback on the roster can do tangibly and intangibly. He just he's that not a franchise quarterback. I know there's a lot of pushback against that, but he's right there. He has all the makings and the ingredients of a franchise quarterback. And I expect the Broncos to have a lift upon his return. Dolphins proved today they they barely lost to the Seahawks. They're not going to be an easy out, but Locke can beat them. This team playing to potential, even with injuries, can beat teams with Locke as the quarterback. So don't give up hope yet. Let's grab Andy here on Facebook. Been waiting patiently to say, we had Chris Harris last year. He took a lot of pressure off the other guys, correct? We are seeing the results now. Zach, I know that obviously Chris Harris's just whole shtick wore on you, and you were over it by the time the 2019 campaign ended, but... I think anytime you lose a player of Harris's experience and, and wherewithal, you're going to feel it, but you're going to feel it even more, Zach, when your number one corner, A.J. Bouye, misses three and a half games. And unfortunately, Zach, I was I was on the other end of that. I was thinking, oh, probably better odds for A.J. to return in week five against the Patriots than Locke. Fangio flipped that. He gave Locke better odds than, than A.J. So, you know, A.J. probably returns week six as well, but once you get him back, I think this is a secondary that's going to be in a much more fortuitous position. But in the meantime, please, whatever you do, Vic, get and keep Devontae Bosby yes. on the freaking field. It wasn't just Harris's shtick that I was sick of. He was not a good football player last year. Let's call it like it is. He was bad last year. And the Broncos have a, a a good replacement in Bryce Callahan, who when playing up to potential and healthy, I think is just as good as a slot cornerback. And you saw the big difference in the Broncos secondary against the Jets. Once they brought Bosby in the game and let him work the outside, they moved Callahan to the slot 
where he works the best. That's his wheelhouse. And you saw the Broncos were much better when he was in the slot. So I don't miss Chris Harris Jr. sagging play. I don't miss him blaming everyone around him for his lapses. I don't miss his locker room issues, Chad. Bryce Callahan, I think, is just as good. He's cheaper, and he has more upside in this defense. So I'm not crying or shedding any tears over, over Harris's absence. Yeah, and by the way, he's hurt, right? Harris is is not on the field right now for the Chargers. So uh, no one let's, is grab, for them. let's grab Prank Films. And by the way, Prank Films, appreciate your super chat. Remind me in the in the uh, chat stream what your Twitter account is because I tried to tag you on a previous day or two ago, and I couldn't recall what your Twitter account is. So remind me of that in the chat stream here. Thank you for the super chat. It's good to see you. you. Why do you think the Broncos released Justin Hollins? From the look of it, it looks like Hollins has been taking off uh, mm. on the Rams. What do you think, Zach? I'll pull up his stats up to yeah. this point. I was going to say I haven't followed Hollins. I know the uh, the Rams bl- uh, held the Giants without a touchdown today. I haven't followed his his career there. Uh, I know he's working with Brandon Staley now, so not a surprise that he's doing probably moderately well. Doesn't seem like Fangio liked him all that much. I mean, he's a fifth-round pick. You play him at two spots, then you release him at final cuts the next year. He's just one of those guys who, I guess, never really jibe with Fangio. I don't really know why the I, I don't know why the Broncos cut him. I wouldn't have cut him. I mean, Zach, this is a guy we're talking about who, up to this point, three games for the Rams. All right, they played three games. They haven't played yet as of, or maybe they're playing. Are they playing tonight? Uh, either way, they played already. They beat the Giants. They beat the Giants today. Held them without a touchdown. They're not showing the – that's not being updated on the – anyway, on pro football reference. But nevertheless, here's what it shows on PFR through three games. It doesn't show week four if he he participated, but it shows a grand total of zero sacks and zero QB hits. So maybe he did something today. Let me pull up the box score real quick. In fact, while since we're here, might as well do it. Let me check out – let me see here. Uh, LAR, where's LAR? There they are. Let me check. Whoop. This is the one I want. Let's see if – Justin Hollins was able to produce here, and maybe I'm missing something. Uh, which side? There we go, this side. Hollins had one tackle and a half. No, he had one sack. So he did get a sack today, Zach. Hmm. So, you know, that's not nothing. It matches his career high. He had one sack last year for the Denver Broncos <laughs> in 16 Ouch. games. But, you know, I'm not really – I mean, we questioned that when it happened, but he was never – you know, the Broncos couldn't have predicted that they were going to lose Von Miller. Right. And you could argue – that, hey, they should have been a little bit more cautious with their young edge rushing talent because Vaughn was long in the tooth and because Bradley Chubb was coming off an injury. But to me, he wasn't great enough of a player up to that point where you really cried too much over that spilt milk. I wouldn't have cut him personally, but if, if Vaughn never got hurt, we have been talking about his release right now. Probably not. The Broncos counted on a bigger leap from Malik Reed. They re-signed Jerry Attachew. They like some younger guys that they went with instead of Hollins. And one sack, I'm not going to start bashing Elway for. Ryan Hamilton with a point I think is salient here because I agree. He says, I thought Shermer did a lot better against the Jets. He definitely needs time. Who knows the kind of issues he's running into with the personnel and the lack of an offseason. Zach, I know you've been highly critical of Shermer, and we both have at times this season. I thought he did take a massive step forward in week four, just showed a lot more, you know, wherewithal and discernment in key moments. But I think that was helped by stability. And even though this was the third quarterback to start in the matter of four weeks, I mean, that's unheard of for the Denver Broncos to start a season. Rippon brought stability because he was consistent. It was something Shermer could kind of rely on and lean on. And you could tell that brought him some confidence. I mean, as a play caller, and it came out in the wash, 
if Brett Rippon doesn't throw those those two second half interceptions, you know, you might have seen a real blowout here from the Denver Broncos. I think Shermer, when you get when he gets his quarterback back in the saddle, give him a three to four week window, then make it a more um you know, long overarching conclusion or, or reach a more long uh, conclusion with when it comes to Pat Shermer. But do you subscribe to the notion that Ryan hits on here that he did show some progress in week four? How do I say this without coming off like a Shermer hater, which I'm not. It's, it's a little concerning that Chad, he would have to take a step forward through only three weeks, even with all the injuries, even with new personnel and a young quarterback. I mean, to show wherewithal, we're commending him for showing wherewithal. This is a longtime coordinator and former head coach for two teams, and we're praising him for wherewithal. He did look better, but what are you comparing it against? You know, fourth and one tight end shovels, third and fourth and two run plays out of, or pass plays out of shotgun. What are we comparing that to? I, I got around to the hire. I still think Scangarello firing a little too premature. I like what he brought to the table in quarterback development, but until Locke gets back on the field to be developed, it's like an incomplete grade for Pat Shermer. He looked yeah. better. The play calling was a little more consistent. I had some gripes. Let's just see it against the Patriots, though. A real de- a team, a real defense, a real opposing head coach who can throw him some wrenches. If he looks good again for another week, I'll eat some crow on Shermer. And keep in mind, too, one thing, and I don't say this to get Broncos fans down about a trip to Foxborough or more down than you might already be, but, you know, there's going to be a full game now of tape of Brett Rippon as a starter in Pat Shermer's offense. So, you know, that Bill, Bill, uh, Bill Belichick, I said, almost said Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick is going to throw that counter punch, right? And of course, Shermer and Rippon, if it ends up being Rippon, are going to have to counter that counter punch. And it's going to be really interesting to see who comes out ahead without no offense. Too. Yeah, and it's probably going to be without no offense. Uh, Fronty Pro on YouTube, appreciate this uh, question. He says, guys, great show with very good takes, but realistically speaking, can Drew Locke compete with Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, etc.? I'm trying to stay positive here, but I just don't see it. Zach, we don't know yet. Well, okay. The thing he's missing here in this point, though, is look at the state of the teams of which those quarterbacks compared to Drew Locke are operating on. Mahomes, you remove him from that equation, there's still a playoff caliber roster. Same for Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, same for Russell Wilson, maybe less to a lesser degree for Russell Wilson. But nevertheless, it's a big difference in terms of when you look at the Denver Broncos, if they don't lose Von Miller and they don't lose all the guys that they've lost up to this point, Cortland Sutton, maybe it's a closer apples to apples comparison. But to me, it's a moot, this is a moot point because the Broncos as a team obviously are just nowhere close to being on the same level as a Mahomes, as a Chiefs or a, or a Ravens. That was my other point. It's what's one thing those teams have in common, the Broncos don't. They're all mostly healthy. I mean, the Broncos lost their RB1, their tight end one, their RT1 opted out. Sutton went down for the year. They've gotten injury racked at almost every single spot, whereas Wilson has a full lineup. Mahomes has a full lineup. Jackson has a full lineup. That's the difference. We just don't know yet. We saw five games last year. He went 4-1. and one. He had franchise quarterback makings. We saw a game from him and then a half a game, and then he got injured. How do we know what we have, good or bad, in Drew Locke until we get at least half a season? At least. Ideally a full season, but I'll take half a season right now just to make one determination, good or bad, on Drew Locke. But until then, you can't you can't determine either way. You can't say anything. You can't lump them in. Everything right now is apples and bowling balls until proven otherwise. Jess, CO13 Sports, one of our superstars jumping in. Thanks. Thank good you. to see you, Jess. Better second half with the players coming back, please. So that was another of the four reasons I said for optimism that maybe the Broncos could de- defy the odds that 538 have the 14% chance of making the playoffs. 
in that same little section about, well, Drew Locke's coming back. I also mentioned that you're getting back A.J. Bouye at some point here in the next couple weeks. You're going to get back Draymond Jones. You're going to get back to Marcus Walker. That helps your D-line and your interior pass rush. You're going to get back Philip Lindsay. Uh, and then Noah Fant might miss a game, but you'll get him back as well. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Oh, that quintet of players is going to give you a boost in the second right. half of the season as well. So still, I'm not I'm not dispensing with the optimism quite yet. We still got to be realistic and know that the odds are extremely low. But until the mathematics eliminate the Broncos, I'm not going to eliminate them on this show. I'm not either. I don't see maybe an 11-win team anymore with these injuries. I'm just being realistic. But 6-10, and 10, I think the Broncos can do better, and I think they will do better than that record. Kevin Smith, longtime listener of the show. One of Thank our superstars. You. Appreciate you, dog. Love the football priest hat, my friend. Appreciate you. He says, in lock we trust, hashtag let him hate. That's right. I mean, don't give up on this kid. He, I mean, Mike brought up a great point, and it's something that, you know, I've said <clears throat> following the week two game and up to this point is, you know, you got to be smart enough to know when to fight for that extra, you know, buy yourself that time to fight for that extra t- uh, time downfield and when to just throw it away. And as, as Mike said, you know, you, you got to be able to live to fight another down. And in Drew Locke's case, unfortunately, I think it, it took that injury to his throwing shoulder and missing time and really taking the wind out of hit the sails of what in the hope that he had, I'm sure, for this season and the team as well, and really torpedoing the team's odds, at, as we saw, 538, 14% odds at making the playoffs. That injury is a big reason that torpedoed the Broncos' uh, prospects this year so hopefully that was a lesson that he learned, Zach, that he can be a little bit more aware of when to get rid of it, when to, um, you know, really fight for the extra time and when to get rid of it in the, what was that, Zach, halfway through the first quarter for him to be playing hero ball is a phrase I use that early. Like you just don't have the frame for it. You're not, you don't have the Patrick Mahomes frame. You don't have that Josh Allen frame. It's not quite apples to apples. He's also not wired to be a, you know, a scared, passive, conservative game manager. He's a he's a gunslinging quarterback. And not only that, he's a young quarterback. And that's a common 
I, I would say, negative trait with young quarterbacks. They want to make the play. Look at Joe Burrow a few weeks ago. He almost got decapitated by Malik Jackson. He wanted to make the play. And when that when it works, you commend that. When it goes wrong, you bash him for it. So I'm never going to hold that against Locke. He wanted to make a play, and I'd rather that than Cam Newton running away from the, the ball in Super Bowl 50. You know, I, yeah. I want the quarterback to be aggressive and to do everything he can to help the team win. I, if the Broncos had better protection, it will always come back to that. If you had DeMar Dotson in that Pittsburgh game, Locke is under center today. As simple as that. You know, I think there is a happy medium, but you're not wrong that already the right side of that line is significantly improved with DeMar Dotson. I mean, I know it was just one game, in, in but hey, Brett Rippon did not get sacked, or at least not. You know, every time he did get sacked, it was on a blitz and it was on a third down that resulted in a roughing or another penalty on the Jets downfield. So officially, per the stats, he did not get sacked. So and yeah, you got it, Fronty. Thanks for the question. Um, But when Locke gets back, he's going to have the benefit of a more experienced and competent right tackle. And that ought to help things as well. Jack jumping back in on Super Chat. Appreciate you, you, Jack. He says, Michael Ojemudia has been our best rookie so far. I think he's been up there. But I wouldn't say he's been better than Jerry Judy up to this right. point. I, re- I mean, Jerry Judy had his early struggles, but Ojemudia has had one game where he's not been <laughs> two games. Maybe you could count the Bucks game because he wasn't bad in the Bucks game either. But he's got two games. He's got a little momentum. But those first couple of games, man, they were as so bad. I couldn't say he's better than Judy. Now, Judy did have the the two games in a row with a drop. And you could maybe argue that that was equally as bad as what Ojemudia, his lapses in coverage those first two weeks. But Judy has made an impact. Judy has not only put uh, points on the board, but he's helped move the ball and open things up when you got Cortland Sutton on injured reserve. So I would say it would go, for me, it would go Judy and then probably Ojemudia right beneath him. Uh, you could argue KJ Hamler is sandwiched between them. He's made an impact. He's he's helped change the complexity of a game. And far and away, Judy's the best rookie. Here's what I'll say about Ojemudi. If he could catch, he'd be great. But he's already better, much better than Langley and Yadam. I don't think we have that worry, Chad, that he's a third-round bust. I think the Broncos finally extinguished that with Ojemudi. Bobby jumping in to say, it takes time for any quarterback to develop. I want to see Locke as our QB for the season That's at least. Common I mean, sense. Yeah, I mean, like we've been telling you guys, it's not like Drew Locke got hit by a bus, you know. Um, he's coming back, and he's going to be back sooner than you think. He might be back week five. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with Zach that when it comes to Vic Fangio, more often than not when it, with injured players, he errs on the side of caution. But here's the caveat. If the player can practice in full all three week, or all three days of that practice week, then he'll play him. But if, they're, if they don't get in full practice for that game, then and they're coming off injury, He's just going to wait till they can get a full week of practice in before he brings him back. So that being said, Zach, he might come back next week if on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday he's able to practice in full. I'm not ruling it out. I think Fangio's 50-50 comment was gamesmanship. I think he wants to keep Belichick of all people on his toes. Mike made a comment. Mike made a comment like he didn't want to uh, throw the season away by risking Locke's health. You don't want to throw Locke's career away either. Let's say he comes back and gets hit on that shoulder again and tears his labrum or breaks his collarbone or tears his rotator cuff. That's a career-threatening injury. What he has right now is not career-threatening. I'd rather give him one more week to get healthy, have him out there against the Dolphins, much better matchup, comfortability, confidence factor, ready to go. Carlos jumping in. Really appreciate the super chat, my friend. Uh, Zach, this is a, a superstar newer 
to being a superstar. I think it's two huddle up podcasts in a row, though. So, Carlos, thank you. Carlos. Tip to you, my friend. Thank you very much. He says, Carnalitos, Alberto, to get a chance in red zone packages. Look, with Noah Fant out this time, Zach, I would be surprised if they don't suit up Albert um, Okaway Boonham because you're going to need something to give you a little juice in the red zone. I do think that Jake Butt stands to be the biggest beneficiary of Noah Fant missing a game if he does indeed end up missing a game. Nick Vanette has just been atrocious as a blocker, as a receiver. I mean, to me, he's not even <laughs> worth keeping on the roster. I think Jake Butt ends up being the receiving beneficiary of Fant missing, but you got to I think this is a good opportunity. Look, you know he's not going to be a blocker. So if you're in the if if you're in the red zone and it's third down, let's just say, and the defense knows Odds are this is going to be a throw. As an offense, just take Albert O and put him on the field. You're not trying to play any chess here. Everyone knows it's a throw. Man on man, let's see if he can match up and use that big body to box out some dudes. I mean, he can he can do something in the seams. And the, the number one play that he really hung his hat on in college, especially when Drew Locke was the quarterback, Zach, was the corner outs in the red zone. He's, he's he just runs those really well, and he's, his athleticism and size, that combination allows him with his speed to get the job done. So what's your take, though? Do you think Carlos is going to get his uh, wish and Alberto suits up this time around? Well, I, I think Jake Butt will be the biggest beneficiary, but Nick Vanette will probably be listed as a starter, which is terrifying. He offers absolutely nothing. He actually breaks, makes the Broncos worse by being on the field. I think Alberto will suit up. He'll be active. They have to play him right now, but he won't start. He's a lot further away than many fans either realize or want to accept. He's a very raw player who was drafted for next year and beyond. He can run really fast. He can help in the red zone. And I agree. Throw him out there. What's the worst that can happen? He catches a touchdown. I mean, he, uh, worst things can happen by having him on the field as opposed to Vinette. He's not going to start, though. So anyone thinking he's going to go out there and, and play 80% of snaps, it's not going to happen. Yeah. No, completely unrealistic. Dylan W. jumping in on Super Chat. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. He says, I'll listen after the fact, but I like our chances versus New England. Zach, Denver's chances significantly improved with the news that Cam Newton has the bug that shall go unnamed. How are you viewing? Let's talk a little bit about it. We got a whole week of podcasting to go to talk about this. Okay, good to know. Um, Dylan, uh, Dylan, John, if it's possible to write that down or put it in this private chat so I don't forget it, I'll, I'll find him after the, after the show. But we're going to have a whole week worth of time to talk about the new England game, but let's at least scratch the surface here. How are you feeling about week five at a Patriot squad that it looks like it's going to be without Cam Newton? Even so without Cam Newton, it's still Bill Belichick and say what you want about him, but he is one of the best preparedness coaches in the NFL. One of the best game plan oriented coaches in the NFL. And he's going to give the Broncos all he has. And even with Brian Hoyer quarterback, it's still going to be a worthwhile competition. It's still going to be a hard opponent to beat on the road in fanless Gillette Stadium. I'm a lot less scared of the Patriots with Hoyer than I am Cam Newton, but the same principle like Mike uh, said before applies. You have to stop the running game. They have like a five-headed rushing attack. They have some receivers like Edelman and Keneal Harry. If you just hold the offense and limit them, I think the defense can be exploited, and I don't think Locke will play, but Melvin Gordon can run for 100-plus. Jerry Judy can make plays down the field. K.J. Hamler can make plays down the field. They have Gilmore, but you know that defense is still susceptible. I'm not ready to predict a Broncos victory. I want to watch more tape this week, but it's on a team like I'm shaking my boots to face. It's not going to be a blowout. I, I'm, the Broncos can win this game. 
A lot depends on the quarterback, and a lot depends on which Broncos team shows up, the Broncos that played the Jets or the Broncos from the first couple games. Yeah, because the one thing that I loved about the Broncos in that Jets game, and again, it was the Jets, but they didn't curl up and die because you know they had a two-score lead late in the game and then blew it. And a lot of times, it doesn't matter who you are. In the NFL, that's enough to take the wind out of the sails for a lot of teams, especially a down-on-their-luck team like the Broncos. But they did not wither. They did not curl up and die, go into a shell. A lot of credit goes to Brett Rippon, who got him in that hole. Let's face it. It was Brett Rippon's fault that they <clears throat> that they ended up losing that, that lead. But it was also a credit to him that they were able to storm back and retake the lead by virtue of that 31-yard completion to Tim Patrick that set him up for a, a nice field goal by Brandon McManus, who, by the way, he's making me eat some crow as McManus because I have clowned him for his struggles from 50. Last two games, he's been money. And so I'm knocking on wood. I'm uh, you know paying my tithing to the football gods out there. I'm sacrificing a goat or two because I don't want to upset that. Whatever, whatever chemistry or whatever juice he's got going from 50 – it hasn't always worked well for him in the last three years. So I'm just, I don't want to upset that apple cart. It's a good point. I will just add this to my previous point. If the Broncos show up to New England and expect to play against New England the way they played against the Jets and win, they're going to be boat raced off the field. It's going to be a bloodbath. They got to come in there and play above their heads. They can't rest on their loyals from the Jets. Even a Cam Newton list Patriots team is infinitely better than the New York Jets. So they have to play well above their means. But if they do, if they coach above their means, they can win this game. Bradley, send me that profile pic, dude. I'll put it on MHH Instagram with the with the face mask. Send that to me, dude. Mile High Huddle at Gmail. We definitely want to shout you out. Appreciate your support in the merch store, by the way, as well, my friend. One of our superstars in the community. All right, Zach, we're about out of time here tonight. Uh, I know a lot of fans want to watch tonight's Sunday Night Football. So let me just make sure we haven't missed any of our superstars, and then we'll wind it down for tonight. And, of course, shout out and credit to Mike for making some time for us tonight. Leroy on Facebook, the reason Jake Butt is not getting passes thrown to him is because he's one hit away for his career to be over. I really don't see it that way, Leroy. I know what you mean, though. I mean, let's face it, we all all feel that way with regard to Jake Butt. But, dude, Jake Butt has actually been pretty good. Um, The Dove Valley Deep Divers guys on Friday night, did a great job breaking down that 43-yard busted uh, run from Melvin Gordon where he tried to go inside, got bottled up, and then broke it outside, and you had Brett Rippon out there running as a lead blocker, and he scores. Well, on that play, if you go back and watch it, and if you have access to the All-22, you know that's probably the best view, but you don't need All-22. You can just watch a replay of the television broadcast. But, Zach, on that play, on the left-hand side of the line, you got Jake Budd as the outside tight end and Nick Vanette right next to him. Jake Butt absolutely rocks his assignment, seals off his man. Meanwhile, Nick Bennett gets absolutely destroyed. Basically because of just crappy technique, Jake Butt is showing up as a blocker. It's not showing up in the stat box quite yet. That's been Noah Fant's job, right? Noah Fant is the receiving tight end, and this is Pat Shermer's scheme where they don't use a lot of two tight end sets in the passing game. Um, so I've been happy with, with Butt up to this point, and I'm curious to see if my – uh, my my hunch is correct that I think he's going to be the biggest beneficiary this week, indeed, if Fant is unable to go in terms of the passing game. 
Listen, I'm not the biggest Jake Butt fan, but when you have a guy who had four career knee surgeries, he really is one hit away from being done for his career. I mean, he won't survive another one. So he, he is playing, I think, better than I expected. He's a much better blocker than people want to give him credit for, and he's a much better blocker than the blocking specialist Nick Vanette. I got to give him credit. He hung in there. He's he's trying to make a, an impact for himself. He's trying to show the Broncos that he can still play at a high level. And I'm with you, Chad. He will get the most snaps in fans' absence. And tight ends are always a young quarterback safety blanket. So whether it's Drew Locke or Brett Rippon, he'll probably get a lot of targets thrown his way. I hope for the Broncos' sake, he capitalizes. All right, last one here from Bradley, specifically answering his question. And then we're going to get out of here for tonight. I appreciate the super chat, my friend. Thank you, Bradley. Observations on how Shermer has used our tight end group. And then he follows that up with something to the effect of uh, he's used them more than expected. I'll be honest with you. He has used more multiple tight end sets than I expected him to. But in most cases, that's only been heavy tight ends uh, when they're going to run the ball. So they kind of, he's kind of telegraphed in those scenarios that he's going to throw. However, there have been situations where you got multiple tight ends running routes in, in a passing concept. So I would say up to this point, I have no, beef really with the way Shermer's used the tight ends in the passing game my my one criticism is he's been a little too obvious in terms of when he does roll two tight ends out there Zach more often than not obviously that's been a run I have one criticism he ignored Noah Fan for a game and a half and you can't (laughs) ignore your best offensive player and you you know this the squeaky wheel gets the grease and the Broncos force-fed Noah Fan targets in the last couple games other than that, though, I mean, you can question why Albert O hasn't been involved, but I do like how he's using Jake Butt in, in run blocking. I do like how he's getting all three tight ends involved. I wish Van Ant wasn't the third tight end, but in terms of feeding Noah Fant, I'm always going to su- support that. If you get him the ball, good things will happen. I just don't like when Shermer goes away from his best weapon. Well said. All right, guys, we got to get out of here for tonight. Thanks to each and every one of you for joining us. A mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars who have been so generous tonight. Goodness gracious. Bobby, uh, Black Knight, 232, just from the top rope. Uh, obviously, Levi, all of you guys. And if Christy. I didn't mention you, Christy, you know we, we love you. You mean everything to us. And you, yes. you're basically paying for the party. So thanks to each and every one of you. It means a lot to us. And uh, also to our Facebook supporters. Again, Zach, I was looking at the numbers uh, yesterday and was stunned to see how many new supporters joined the fold uh, you know, between Thursday and today. And it's just really exciting. Thanks to our, our Facebook supporters as well. But guys, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. And then while you're at it, also make sure you're following at Mile High Huddle. Guys, we're only a few subs away from crossing 8,000 on YouTube. So if you're one of our great Facebook viewers and part of our Facebook community here at MHH, real quick, open up YouTube and make sure you're subscribed to Mile High Huddle on YouTube as well cool thing about that is you can click notifications or the notification bell and just get buzzed your phone buzzes every time we upload a new video which you know it's it's multiple videos every single day plus your daily nightly live stream from six to seven local time you know you've got a live stream coming from mhh four of those nights it's going to be zach and myself so take care of that also check out the huddleuppod.com merch store if you're in a position to get your swag on, get yourself a hat, a, a face mask, a hoodie. Now's the time. If you're in a position, it means a lot to us. And whatever you do, gang, before you X on out of here, do oh. not do. Right on cue. Just blow us Thank away. You. Christy, Thank you. The queen Thank you. establishing her 
her uh, monarchy, if you will. <laughs> I mean, her no reign. uncertain terms here. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. Means so much to us. And as we're about to Exxon out of here, I mean, it just blows us away. Thank you. Um, and by the way, congrats also on your podcast. If you guys haven't checked out the podcast that Christy has going with a few other of our MHH community guys, uh, including this fellow right here, Adon, it's called the Mile High Roundtable. So check it out when you get some time. Another podcast to, uh, you know, help you fill in the, the days between each and every game. They're doing a good job and bringing their their uh, passion and, and their unique slant and view on these Broncos issues just as well. All right, guys, we got to get out of here. Zach, dude, have a great start to your week, my brother. Chad. For once, a Sunday without a Broncos loss. What a great day this was. <laughs> what, a, what a relaxing, pleasurable day this was. Amen, dude. Oh, and by the way, Mike, if you're listening, thanks again, my friend, for joining us, the great Mike Evans. We got to get we, – we, we need to, like, create a, a regular segment to bring on Mike yeah. because he just drops knowledge and is so insightful. So love you, Mike. Love Thank all you, Mike. of you guys. Shout out to Buona Beast uh, for rocking the – chat stream and keeping everything flowing i don't know what we do without john so guys make sure you're following my partner here on twitter as well zach kelberman at kelberman nfl myself at chad and jensen and then the the producer buona beast on twitter though it's at john k k a y m h h all right guys we're going to get out of here for tonight thanks again to our super chat superstars and to mike evans for making time for us for zach kelberman i'm chad jensen we'll see you tomorrow night same time 6 p.m mountain 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.